All right. On the count of three. One, two, three. Sheriff. Whoa. Okay. We're back in. Okay. Still didn't discuss how to intro this. We still didn't. And we don't have a bit. Jonathan. Yeah? We always have a bit. Because they're watching. Yeah? This is the part where you put in the intro. You mean the bits? everybody welcome back to the bits a steven universe podcast i'm sam i'm jonathan and on this i want to say week but frankly the scheduling so sporadic i might as well say this quarter's podcast we'll be discussing steven bomb nine they should really stop numbering these yeah did you call it did this one come with the title i don't think it did i don't believe so uh, the episodes yeah. included on this episode are Your Mother and Mine, The Big Show, Pool Hopping, and Letters to Lars. If you want to see us talk about previous Steven Bombs, we've done it all the way back to Sardonyx, wasn't it? The Week of Sardonyx? Yeah. Yeah, so you can check all those out on the channel. If you're listening on other platforms that I'm sure we have somewhere, or the Podcast Attic app, Please be sure to write us a review, because we always re- appreciate it. Indeed. And if we get any solid comments or reviews, we always do them up on the channel. So that's kind of neat. We always discuss them. Mm. So, Jonathan, in order to get ready for this podcast, I gra- grabbed the loudest snack possible, my raisinets, which I'll be eating all throughout the episode. Oh, wonderful. Uh, I'm sure that'll... And the loudest drink I could find, extra loud bubbling ginger ale, so. Oh, jeez. I'm all set for that endeavor. You came prepared. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Frankly, I ran out of chips. Ah, that's sad. (laughs) So, let's, let's get started with the first episode, right? All right, uh, the way this works, if you're new... We do it in such a way that I write notes. I I don't. Oh, sorry. I was biting my fingernails. Bad habit. Bad habit. <laughs> and we go episode by episode, doing a little bit of a breakdown, and just giving our general thoughts and ideas about all of it. So, so without further ado, uh, we'll start with the first episode, Your Mother and Mine. Ooh. Jonathan, cue you... that intro. The bits! Fantastic. So, Jonathan, start us off with that episode recap. What's going on? Okay, so, you have Lars and the off colors floating off in space. Steven comes, comes in with a sandwich. And then recaps and the episode's 
prior because frankly it's been so long that none of us remember what was going on so thank you party sub steven indeed also before this came out there was a big old recap over everything that happened so people can see that on cartoon network's website and everywhere else i believe i believe they put it on the youtube as well so that's a cool thing it has new scenes in it and everything oh well there you go yeah so yeah, uh, he jumps in with the sandwich, and what do you call it? Lars gets upset, and then Stephen asks if he can he can bring a friend. And that friend is Garnet in the shape of Stephen, and Garnet yes. Stephen had a super solid design. Indeed. And then we get reactions from all the off colors. Papa Roach continues to be annoying. Okay, gosh. I, I like Pop Rocks. <laughs> Papa John's <laughs> is a fine character. I'm just mm. really sick of the recapping everything after two seconds joke. Rule of three. I, I will say that this is the first time it's ever actually made a scene, like, good. <laughs> yeah, it is. And that one time that it's happened was when Garnet gets there. She sees all the amazing, unique fusions and freaks out over it, gets super excited, and tells them all they're beautiful and wonderful. Just and look at you all. Paprika looks at her and says, I You will make everyone, make everyone feel uncomfortable. uncomfortable. And yeah. then Garnet looks around and realizes, Oh, maybe I messed up. And Indeed. the twins, or maybe it's the other one, says, Hey, why, why you gotta be so mean to us? And Stephen asks if they know what compliments are. And they say they don't, which confused me, because they don't know what a compliment is, but they understand the finer aspects of insults, irony, and sarcasm. Well, as you call it, based on their reputation, I'd say they they are probably ridiculed a lot. Well, sure, but those were genuine-sounding compliments, which means they have to understand what a backhanded compliment is, right? Yeah, it's literally got compliment in the name. Surely, but yeah, I I chalk that one up to their poor treatment. Fair enough, fair enough. So, they're all there hanging out, and Garnet mm-hmm. tells them that they should join up in fighting the diamonds and bringing peace and love to the universe. Oh wow. <laughs> And then she brings up the war criminal or savior, depending on which side you're on. That is Rose Quartz. (laughs) (laughs) The anti-jam. Yes. Uh, We find out that the off-colors are all freaked out. They're like, whoa. Uh, Rose Quartz is the anti-jam, which, heck of a name there. And talks about how she's this destroyer of worlds and how she shattered a diamond. One of them claims that she never existed at all and becomes a whole awkward thing. And I wanted to talk to you about that and how it's kind of interesting how it uh, sets up a sort of situation on Homeworld. The term anti-gem suddenly creates a super real pseudo-religious aspect to the story of Rose Quartz. And it's interesting because we find out in the flashback that Garnet tells us 
that homeworld has this literal idea of manifest destiny, where it's the diamonds are trying to spread their perfection throughout the galaxy, right? Yeah. And so, uh, well, for our younger viewers that aren't quite to that point in school yet, manifest destiny being the idea that uh, America, when it first started, decided we need to spread all the way from the east to the west coast, go as far as humanly possible, and it was our divine right to do so according to the beliefs of the time. And so you see some of that reflected in the diamonds a little bit of we're perfection, we need to spread this perfection. And those that are against us are now anti-gem figures. Mm. And it's just interesting because we've gone from militaristic to religious, and I think that's kind of an interesting tonal shift that we've had from this new information we've been given. Huh. And then a flashback happens, and it has real pretty colors. Indeed. Did you call it? Also, you get to hear, like, friggin' Estelle do like a storybook book voice and I and I enjoyed that that episode is, is top notch because of that we need to get Estelle on audiobooks of like gem based fairy tales oh yeah get her for like every like like book that they put out you know because what they, they do a lot of children's books not even just Steven Universe for all books it is Ooh. now Estelle's job to translate all books into audio. Every single one of them. <laughs> hey. She'll, she'll get bid bucks, bucks for it. <laughs> and the show will be delayed even more. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, what did you think of the flashbacks? Like, how they're laid out? I I think it was nice. I, mm. I enjoyed it. I liked the energy going through through story. Yeah. Uh... Because it, like, I I say storybook voice just because like it it feels like the tale is being read out to us right between like different voices for like different figures within the story. Yeah, the inflection and, was definitely there. Yeah, like she she even has her own like Rose Court Court's voice mm. and her own evil diamond's voice and everything. It it felt fun, and I I liked it. Really did it worked really oh. well. Uh, yeah, the aesthetic of it gave me kind of an over the garden wall vibe, mm. where it's a lot of like muted blacks and silhouettes, but it's also very rich uh, backgrounds that follow a very similar color pattern. So I really liked the aesthetic there. Huh. Uh, we get dialogue between Pink Diamond and Rose Quartz. So, mm. Rose Quartz finally confirmed not to be Pink Diamond officially, saying it outright because they were in a room having a discussion together. Yeah. Uh, Rose, it's the flashbacks are talking about Rose falling in love with the humans and the earth and everything's wonderful. And she asks the Pink Diamond, hey, maybe we could not colonize Earth? And Pink Diamond responds with her weeb anime villain laugh and Oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, says absolutely not. And then suddenly you would believe a rose could fly because she takes off into the sky randomly after giving a revolution speech. Yeah. So apparently independence gives you the ability to fly. 
Ooh. <laughs> yeah, go figure. I don't know what that says about the world. <laughs> <laughs> the gravity of oppression holding us down, man. Yeah. But. Continue. Uh, we get some really cool silhouettes here that uh, where we get poses of each member of the original Crystal Gems. Like, you get uh, Pearl, Garnet, and uh, Bismuth. Hmm. And all of those poses that we get with the silhouettes would make amazing, like, posters or magnets or wall scrolls or whatever. And I guarantee uh, we will see that at some conventions to come, some bootleg uh, material of those. I hope so. Like, I would love to see those at artists' out alleys and everything. Like, if they're actually just, like, drawn versions of them, then I'm, I'm totally fine with that. But Oh, no, people are just going to screenshot and sell those. Uh, I don't want that, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want art- artistic vision to, to flourish. <laughs> artistic vision's hard, man. It, it takes time and training and effort. And, man, yeah. print screen's just one button away. I don't even have to hold the FN or the control. I can just hit that <laughs> button. Yep, and then just curl V somewhere else. Yeah, it's two buttons. And then I hit the print money button and I'm good. <laughs> it's a super simple process. Good gosh. Well, anyway, uh, that army's formed, and then Pink Diamond gets sad, and she calls on her sisters, Blue and Yellow, and they all shoot their Divine Blast, but thankfully they didn't have all three-fourths of the Divine Beasts gathered, and so Calamity Ganon was not able to be defeated, Ah. and Rose Quartz carried on. Gosh. Oh, also, did you call it White Diamond? Yeah, White Diamond shows up afterwards for the cool pose and all I thought was where was she during the onslaught when she f- they're firing their magic laser where was she I I s- still don't know why we haven't seen her I don't know I thought we would this time I really did yeah but you know uh so the flashbacks end there between the magic friendship laser beam and the rose quartz army and the standoff and all of the off-colors immediately freak out because they're like, what, Rose Quartz got defeated? And Garnet gives them a message of hope of like, yeah, she may not be around anymore, but that doesn't mean we can't still fight. Yeah, because we're still here if, after all that. Which is interesting it, because still the, here. Garnet straight up lied to the off-colors. Hmm? R- Rose died giving birth to Steven. Yeah. So why did she just lie to the off-colors for no particular reason? True. Well, yeah. I, I did think it was weird that they didn't actually mention that Rose Quartz is, is Steven. Well, I, I get that somewhat, saying like, oh, uh, we consider this person the anti-gem. Now, we can't say, yep, and it's your friend Steven. Yeah, but at the same time, it's just like, man, that is not gonna come back around to be a positive thing. Yeah, it'll bite him in the butt super hard. <laughs> it's just like, oh, shoot, Rose Quartz did what? You know what would have been great? Rose Quartz too. <laughs> it would have been great if Papaya just went and Garnet just lied to us. <laughs> Gosh. 
I predict Rose Quartz is in this room. Um, no, she's not. <laughs> I predict that Steven is going to lie to us. <laughs> you get the, the Steven sandwich face. <laughs> I predict that Steven's going to tell us something horrifying. Okay, no, no, Steven's not. <laughs> Steve, Steven, Jeez. Steven's your friend. He, he never <laughs> tell you anything horrifying. Definitely Jeez. not anything that would counteract Garnet's previous statement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but they did yeah. fix Parappa the Rapper's character a little bit by giving her the ability to add to a conversation. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, your character now has the ability of basic dialogue. Gosh. Oh, also, did you call it? I I feel like they ran back the pink diamond is is lying thing. Super hard in this episode. Do you tell. Like, um, uh, when uh mentioning the junk jungle planet episode, uh, Stephen goes like, "Hey, I I had a vision through pink diamond's eyes. I I think she might be still still alive." And then Garnet goes like, oh, no, she's long dead. <laughs> Don't Ooh. worry about that. Okay, so you're saying that Rose has proven she can't kill anybody because she didn't kill Bismuth. Yeah. And so rather than forever bubble uh, Pink Diamond, she somehow turned her into a lion? Oh, yeah. What did you call it? I don't know if I fully explained this like last episode when I made that accusation but yeah um i believe since it is a line is of pink hume i i believe that pink diamond got corrupted and uh through steve steven and rose quartz's healing powers she healed pink diamond and she became lion but what about the point where he brought Lars back and comes back out through Lion and makes the connection of like, oh, you and he doesn't say died but he's just like, oh, buddy. Yeah. But I, when, uh, what you call it, in this episode he go, goes like, what, what is Lion? <laughs> and he <laughs> and there's no answer. There's just like, I don't, I don't even know what you are. <laughs> and I'm just like, but wait, why did did that piece of dialogue happen if you don't know what line is? <laughs> okay, okay. I'm still not so, entirely on board, but I can see your argument. Yeah, uh, it was it was just a weird thing of just like... I, I thought they had made the, that connection hmm. in the past and just like having that all ran back, I was like, oh, okay. I'm still bothered by the fact that female lions don't have manes. But, well, they do, just not to the extent of male manes. Not the point. Uh, hmm. That's still just a fact that bugs me. But, I mean, this is alien biology. I'm sure it doesn't line up exactly, so. As you call it, Am- Amethyst turned into a, to a lion and just, just her idea of like what a lion is true also when she's a purple puma anyway not the point uh we end off with 
uh, Lars's sassy point off into space pose, which if it doesn't become a meme, I'll be astonished. And the episode ends. Mm. And every yep. and everyone's motivated to go off into space. Indeed. And for some reason, they chose the largest crew member to go into the smallest part of the ship and fix the engine. Oh, yeah. Uh, I do do find it like a. I I think it's a thing thing of that she can crawl up and down down the like ladder really fast. Hmm. I just think it's like my. Uh, oh my gosh, I can't say it. Millennium Falcon logic, where it's the uh, underneath uh, controls, where it's like underneath mm-hmm. the walkway of the uh, corridors. Yeah. Not to get too Star Wars-y on a non-Star Wars-related podcast, but that's the kind of interior I always think of for the ship. Mm. That's fair. So, any other thoughts before we give our closing statements on this episode? Uh, eh, the lion lion thing is my main main thing is this episode. Otherwise, I I think it's fine. <laughs> Your main uh, thing. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, that we'll never get the the cool like mission of them stealing stuff <laughs> from Yellow Di- Diamond's court deposit. I feel like the off colors in space would make a wonderful YouTube short series. Oh yeah, like play it up like old space serials and just really go for it. <laughs> like have the like old tale, like the adventures of Captain Lars and the off-color gems in space, space, space. Yeah, if you're gonna give Lars a Captain Harlock, a Harlock outfit, at least let him do Captain Harlock type stuff. <laughs> I, I think an off-colors, like, side short series would, would be fun. You've heard it here first. Captain Lars and the off-color gems in space, space, space. Confirmed. It's gonna happen. I'm, I'm Rebecca Sugar. <laughs> that legitimately threw me off for a second. <laughs> I don't know if it's just because it's late or if we've because we've just done a lot today. Like we watched a movie before this. Uh, we went to yeah. the theater and I I just came in. We started recording this, but I don't know if it's just because we've done so much. But I straight up just got caught off guard. Of whoa, this is Rebecca Sugar, and I didn't even realize. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> yep, it's me the whole time. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not. I'm not Rebecca Sugar. Please, please, Re- Rebecca Sugar. I, I love you. You're you're a fantastic person. <laughs> uh, you heard it here first. Self love is important. <laughs> Value yourself as a person, whether you're Rebecca Sugar or someone else. <laughs> Good gosh. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, yeah. Overall, I like the visuals. I like the background character development uh felt like it was a little short for a kickoff to a steven bomb but at the same time i don't think they're actually steven bombs anymore Mm. but it did fill in some holes and fixed a couple things in the overall continuity and 
questions. So, uh, I gave it a solid 4 out of 5 on my ratings. I forgot to say in the beginning, as well as notes, I also do ratings out of 5 for each episode. So, Jonathan doesn't. Yeah. Uh, I, I just say that, that I like the episode, or I didn't like the episode. I, I like this episode. I, I guess with Cartoon Network's promo of questions will be answered. Yeah, questions were were answered. <laughs> Followed by three filler episodes. Yeah. There were no more questions. Well, actually, yeah, there is one one more question that that was super answered. And and that's that's something we'll get to when we hit that episode. But yeah. All right. So, so questions were answered. So questions will be answered later on the podcast. Indeed. But for now, hmm? I was gonna say, but for now, and then have you do the transition. So you beat me to ah. it by all means. Yeah, but for now, I, Rebecca Sugar, will play a wonderful song on my ukulele called "The Bits." <laughs> want instead of our normal intro there's just happy ukulele music (laughs) gosh oh my gosh so wait you're rebecca sugar and i'm the mayor of anything we've got really powerful (laughs) people on this podcast i'm not rebecca sugar (laughs) well i'm still the mayor of anything if you want to get that joke check out our lp of steven universe save the light Actually, the joke in originated on this. Did it? <laughs> this podcast, yeah. It's been and so long. And then you long. moved it over to the, to the LP. Well, still, if you want to check out more of the bits without having to wait for a hiatus to end, check out our Let's Play at Steven Universe Save the Light, where apparently it's so good I've forgotten what happened. <laughs> yeah. It's wonderful. Uh, but you know what I didn't forget? It's time to talk what? about the big show. Yeah. The documentary episode. Yeah. Jonathan, start us off with a rundown of events as I eat some raisinets. Feel free to cut this audio out. <laughs> Good gosh. So, Sa- Sadie and, well, Sa- Sadie Killers and what's their, what's the rest of their band name? Hold on, I'm still chewing. Give me just a second. Okay. <laughs> So, Sadie and the cool cool kids. Sadie Killer have, and the suspects. Yeah, Sadie Killer and the su- suspects have a documentary filmed by Steven, and he records all the events up to their first show. And that that's the general plot plot synopsis. But going detail by details, Sammy, are you done eating? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> you gosh. I'm sorry, so I, I didn't a... get snacks at the movies. I wanted to have my raisin nuts. <laughs> Good gosh. Alright. <laughs> so, re- run them through detail by detail. Alright, so my first thought on this episode was, woo, more Sadie Killer. Yeah. Then, I don't know what it is about the Beach City group, but whenever they do an episode, everyone's so supportive. Oh yeah. Buck Dewey is so supportive at the beginning when they're playing, and everybody's like trying their best and then steven starts filming he's just all for it 
Then oh my gosh, Buck Dewey in this episode has all the golden lines. <laughs> Dude, I literally have a list of Buck Dewey lines. Yeah. Sadie's mom Great. comes down and she's learned boundaries and is super supportive and that's really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, though she does get one good line where she says, uh, let me know if you get to stick it around for dinner. I'm making a salad that is mostly cheese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember that. This this episode's just like a really really delightful watch. Just like if you you want to see how uh, like Beach City life is is going, this in the the final episode is nice. Oh yeah, and then they start playing a song, and what the heck happened? Because the last one was so wonderful, and they really just went backwards. Uh, really? Well, what you call? I I'd, I'd say this one is more just like script song yeah the first one not the second one yeah the first one is script song (laughs) yeah the first one just felt like i don't know i don't know if they didn't play to the style that the voice actor is accustomed to or like Mm. if it was just because they changed the sadie killer and the suspects style of music and they didn't have like the halloween monster mash thing going on oh no what you call i i think they played too much towards the, the monster ma- mash thing because mm. like before it's a it's a good mix of like just kind kind of a a story mixed mixed in with that kind of monster mash thing yeah. this one's just straight monster mash yeah cuz it's just like even sour cream isn't doing anything like he's running around with a bat on a stick yeah and it's just like the costumes, well, they weren't wearing costumes before, but the costumes made it feel like they went backwards in band success, and I don't know, the whole thing was weird. Hmm. And I mean, play, like, having played in a band that had the computer going along with it, like, there was never, like, a set guy for it. It was just something you set and then went... So just having yeah. sour cream run around with a bat on a stick is like, come on, man! Like, the last time you were sitting there doing something, <laughs> now you just bat on the stick, guy. Yeah, did you call it like in in the past? It, there was like actual DJ elements and stuff. Yeah, but and like they really just, don't let him play to his DJ side in this one. Yeah, they did. Again, on the second one, second song. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it. Uh, yeah. Speaking of their costumes, Buck Dewey gets the solid line of, after Greg compliments his werewolf look, Buck Dewey just says very disappointedly, I'm a witch's cat. Yeah. And you know what? Buck Dewey can be whatever animal he wants to be. You be a yeah. cat, man. You do it. What do you call it? This, it always makes me happy just because like, I, I went to uh, the voice act actors like twitter and he's just like yeah what you call it i i want to be the uh what you call it joe josuke joe joe star star if you ever do a dub and i'm just like yeah yeah <laughs> I, I want this guy <laughs> to do it oh my gosh he'd be so good yeah i love it i want buck dewey to be a stand user now yeah <laughs> that'd be amazing good gosh Stand no power. 
gosh. Thanks. Write in the comments what what Buck Duty Stan is. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Gosh. Uh, Greg, yeah. still super supportive of just all the kids. Oh yeah, and I I I like the fact that they they've put them in as just like the the band's man manager in this episode. Yeah, that's super super cool. That's a great spot for him too, where he's just like, yeah. yeah, I know music. I used to be a musician. Let me help these kids with their music. It's a great little, like, very natural uh, connection between the members of. Beach City. Also, call back to the Guitar Dad episode. Oh yeah, Buck Dewey we, said yeah. Mr. Universe taught him everything he knew. Yeah, yeah. That was so cool. So, I, I like the, the close-knit continuity of all the episodes and everything. That's Yeah. They, they keep that part tight. They really do. Like, the gem yeah. war gets a little muddied sometimes, but they keep they keep the interpersonal connections tight. Definitely. I like that. Yeah, and then Buck Dewey gets the amazing line where he's talking about infighting and their inevitable demise. Yeah. And then Greg just is like, or is Greg or Steven is just like, no, man, it won't go like that. And Buck's disappointed. <laughs> I believe it was Greg, but yeah. It just, I don't know. I, <laughs> there's something that's just like, it's neat. It's the over melodramatic like lines with just the muted tone <laughs> yeah just I don't know I imagine that Buck Dewey like doesn't really want friends like he just feels uncomfortable and so yeah. he's hoping the infighting will finally get him some alone time <laughs> <laughs> gosh friggin like like Buck, Buck Dewey and the L- LP <laughs> it's like <laughs> Steven <laughs> I feel feel infinite sad, sadness within within myself. <laughs> Do you want to hug? No, thanks, Steven. <laughs> Maybe Buck Dewey needs needs something. Maybe a little help. Yeah. Well, let Maybe. Let's, let's keep an eye on Buck. Maybe maybe get him someone to talk to about how he's feeling. He's got some complex <laughs> emotions going on. Truly. Oh, poor Buck Dewey. So, but, we're mo- we go on with the story and we get what I think is a back to the future reference where mm-hmm. uh, Greg calls his uh, music friend what was her name? Sunny? Oh yeah. And he's like, Sonny, it's me. You know that sound you've been listening to or looking for? Well, listen to this. And I think <laughs> that's the Chuck Berry reference from Back to the Future. Where, oh, yeah. it's it's very much that joke. <laughs> okay, where his cousin Marvin calls him. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you that hadn't seen Back to the Future, watch Back to the Future. That'll make sense. But the line from the movie uh, goes something along the lines of him saying, Chuck, Chuck, it's Marvin, your cousin, Marvin Barry. You know that new sound you've been looking for? Well, listen to this. And he holds up a phone, and he hears Marty playing uh, the song Johnny Be Good, which is by uh, Chuck Berry. So, that's the reference they're making there, I believe. Yeah. And then they call out of, well, yeah, I guess you couldn't hear it too well over the phone, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I don't know, it, it works as a reference and it works as, like, a Greg thing. <laughs> yeah. It feels like, 
I don't know. It feels like a lot of the stuff Greg says is meant to be references for people like that are closer to Greg's age than Stevens. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, oh yeah, Back to the Future reference, cool. Of course, Greg <laughs> would make that reference. Greg was alive yeah. to see Back to the Future. And he's he's just like, yeah, I I want to be that guy. <laughs> yeah, he wants to be Marvin Perry. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and then Sonny, of course, says, like, this is the worst recording I've ever heard. Let's get these kids on actual equipment because they're amazing. So Sonny's super supportive and we haven't even met him yet. Yeah. And that was just, that line got me. It was just like, why is everyone so nice in this world? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it feels like anyone who's who's yeah even mere mere dewey takes like things in, in stride even though like everyone's just like nah we're, we want nana fufa as as mayor uh what'd you call it he's he's not like horrible about it i think the only person who was really horrible as a town person was uh greg's old manager Oh, yeah, and he didn't even stick around in town. Yeah. What was his name? Marty, that was it. Yeah. Yeah, Marty. Marty's the worst. Mm-hmm. But it... And not to get too tangential, but I wanted to talk to you about this just... On a personal level, it's very similar to... What it's like to be creative out in the world, because, I mean, we run the YouTube channel. It, yeah. It's been mostly podcasts lately, but we still run the YouTube channel, and uh, I know a lot of times when we're shooting our bigger projects, it's harder to get people to support it, or, like, to get extras together, or get uh, somebody's assistance with something, even huh. as much as, like, holding a camera or, like, pressing play on something for us. Uh, and it's usually not until they see that product of like, oh, you've been doing this for a while. Because the longer that we've done it and the more attention our stuff has gotten, the more I've seen people willing to help us. Mm-hmm. Uh, an example, just as a behind-the-scenes thing, uh, one of the first instances I saw of it was uh, in our very first walk or something about vlog stuff, that's what it's called, uh, where we did the taste test of the black Halloween Whopper. The mm-hmm. cashier there, we didn't record her initial reaction. We, After she told us that the Whopper sold out at the end, spoiler for that bit, uh, we actually asked her, hey, can, would you mind saying that again for our YouTube channel? And then when we explained we had uh, so many subscribers that we had at the time, she was just like, oh, yeah, totally. That's, like, significant people. She didn't say it in that so many words, but it was just like, this is a legitimate thing. This isn't you, like, just messing around here. You're serious about this project. Sure, I'll help you. And so she was kind enough to be on that uh, episode for us. Hmm. I feel, feel it's an idea of that, what you call it? YouTube's so set such a saturated medium now that if you're anyone can go like yeah I'm gonna start a YouTube channel but 
there's few people who actually want to like stick with it. Not to put down anybody that wants to start a YouTube channel. You absolutely do that. Yeah. I want you to be our competition, outrank us, and then honor us by being on the show. Indeed. As you call it, if I I like the expression of what you call it. If you you don't like how someone's doing doing something, do it do it yourself. Yeah. Because that creates more more of a space of where would you call it? You can be that person for the for the people who who want to listen to to the way you're doing doing that thing. You can be be the person who changes how how the direction of this thing is viewed. Hmm. So instead of a, a market of like similar looking things, you can be the be the change. Yeah. The central point of all of this was I was just saying it was nice to see someone being supportive of a new up and coming project because it felt very genuine to life of oh they've actually got talent and ability so we want to back them up like they've got oh, yeah. a chance to do something here and that's cool and so it was very nice to see that and be like yeah they are actually getting support because they've put in the work definitely so sorry if that was too chan- tangential for everybody I know we usually try to keep these relatively streamlined but yeah so, uh, Greg being their manager tells them you got a show and everybody's happy about it and he tells them that yeah we're gonna buy a fog machine and we're gonna and sour cream gets excited says oh and we'll get glow sticks of every color and then greg says no think bigger we're gonna do lasers so greg literally is dropping hundreds of thousands of dollars on supporting his kids project and that's wonderful yeah (laughs) the coolest it's just like I'm going to make this happen for you guys. Yeah. Also, the name of the fog, fog machine, Fog of War, is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I just. But. Yeah. And funny yeah. enough, when he gets delivered the lasers, it's just a box of lasers. Yep. It, it's not like laser lights. It's just a one whole box of lasers. You just open that, and they all just shoot out. It's incredibly convenient. Yeah. For this episode, I'm going to be the mayor of laser boxes. Ooh. Laser boxes is a good choice. Yep, open it up, and it just shoots out everywhere. It's a mess, and you can only use it once. Laser boxes. Jeez. Gosh. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, what'd you call it? We, but we eventually get to the main con- conflict of what you call it? Them booking booking the show. And where is and that show, Jonathan? In Empire City. Wait, Empire City? We're talking Empire, Empire City. City? <laughs> yeah, we're talking Empire City. <laughs> Good gosh. If you're still sticking around after that joke, the main conflict, Jonathan. If you would. <laughs> I'm gonna play the sound clip over that too, uh, but yeah, the main main conflict is uh, when Sadie's mom mom come comes around. Sadie's too too embarrassed to let her know where they're actually playing. Yeah, she just tells her like, "Hey, you said you could back off. This is gonna be my thing, mom." Yeah. Going back to uh, the, okay, gosh, I can't remember the title of that episode, but the talent show episode where Stevens <laughs> made a glitter yeah 
where uh, Sadie's mom tries to take over her performance. She, I think she's still a, a bit apprehensive from from that experience. Oh yeah, but at the same time, you can see that the mom's like, "Okay, I won't show up. Like, I respect yeah. your boundaries." And it was really nice. It's like, oh, mother's like listening to her child and hearing her needs and emotional concerns and addressing them. And that's nice. Indeed. Hmm. And from there, we get a heart to heart from Greg. Greg and Sadie. My gosh, that heart to heart is phenomenal. Yeah. Moments like that are why I still want to review this show. Like yeah. scheduling and everything else aside, like moments that character build like Greg and Sadie in this scene are the reason I don't mind waiting and writing up these notes and scripts every like two months. Yeah. And I. I don't know, like, as a creator, I, I felt, like, really, really, like, Greg's words hit really, really clo close to home, where would you call it, you kind of, just, like, some some people don't support, support yourself, and just go, like, eh, maybe, maybe go for more something more stable, and would you call it, you, like, if you have some, somebody out, out there who's supporting, and, like, supportive of your creative, creative goals like cher cherish that per person mm. and it was nice where he says like yeah my parents didn't even care about my shows like, it's just cool to see someone supporting yeah it, it was nice and that's a nice thing Neat. that I feel like a lot of times we don't appreciate some of the stuff we have in our life until somebody else acknowledges it like if your parents Truly. support or if you got some sort of fortune that we take for granted it's just nice to see like oh yeah I guess this is nice gives you a new appreciation through the that person's fresh eyes it's really cool yeah and so they take a trip to Empire City <laughs> sorry Jonathan my com comedic integrity won't allow me to make that joke <laughs> twice Fair enough. <laughs> I just wanted to keep, keep the inflection. <laughs> I'm still working on the cheese from the last plate, man. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and do their their show, in which we get a wonderful new Sadie, Sadie Killer song. We do. About being a good, 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 <laughs> There's the kind of cheesy joke I'm looking for. Yeah. So, Why can't you see her? Yeah. <laughs> so that was a solid song. Did you like that one better than the last one? I know you weren't a big fan of the first Sadie Killer oh, yeah. song. What'd you call it? I wasn't a fan of the first Sadie Killer song, but I really, really liked this one. Hmm. Like, even this, the animated stage performance of it, I, I just... I just enjoyed it. Yeah. Like, it felt like an actual, like, show I would want to go, go see. Yeah. Random thing to point out, uh, when they're all excited about their shows, uh, Sadie blushes when she gets hugged by, uh, her friends, and it was nice. Yeah. It was like, oh, Sadie's embarrassed but happy. That's wonderful. It was just a nice little touch that I liked. 
Also, Buck Dewey gets the amazing line when they're all cheering. He just says, I love enthusiasm. Yeah. (laughs) You guys. (laughs) He doesn't seem like he'd express emotion. (laughs) Buck Dewey, whether he can express emotion or not, is a wonderful individual. See, there's two... Two char- characters on that spectrum. There's Garnet, where she's just very cool and calm, collected, mm-hmm. and she she still has has emotions. It's just like she her her whole like front of being like complete calm and complete ang- anger yeah. <laughs> is just like her being solid. I'm so glad but, you made that comparison because mm. seeing them all lined up, I said. Buck Dewey is the garnet of the cool kids because he said I love enthusiasm. Yeah. And I looked at Sour Cream and I was like, Sour Cream's the pearl of the cool kids. They have very similar designs. Mm. And like, they have the nose thing going on where they both have pointy noses and they have the blonde, tough of hair. And that would make Jenny the... Wait a minute, are the cool kids just the crystal gems as teenagers? Maybe. Because <laughs> Jenny's like all up for partying and having a good time like Amethyst and we'll have the one-liners and at first I thought it was just her balancing like Kiki's the quiet one and Jenny's the excited one but I legitimately think that the crystal gems and the cool kids are the exact same characters (laughs) just different species (laughs) Buck Dewey even wears the sunglasses and Mm -hmm. Jenny has a purple like dressing color scheme yeah it is eerily similar i i think the cool kids might just be the crystal gems gosh it might have not been a thing at first but now now it definitely has turned into that that thing as they've gone on (laughs) random dumb fan theory every time steven is around three people they will become the personalities of Garnet, Amethyst, and Pearl. Garnet, Amethyst, and Pearl weren't originally like that. They were warped by the radiation of Stephen. So Stephen hangs (laughs) around the same three people too often. It will slowly take form. Uh, Jokes aside, uh, just making up dumb fan fairies is fun but uh jonathan yeah. i want you to put up a picture on the screen for me for our youtube viewers all right when they show the audience in the ghost song i want you to have a zoom in on the shot of the woman in the top right corner who just looks super mad to be there all right there's one woman that that she's just in she's not in the foreground of the audience she's in the back but she just looks mm. so mad at where she is at Gosh. and she doesn't move or anything because she's like background background character but she's just mm. in the top right of the crowd and i just wanted a slow zoom in on her while i've been explaining this okay Thank you. For those who are listening on audio, I apologize. You're not missing much. Just go back to the video and look at the angry lady. Uh, I'll, I'll put it in the show, show notes. Cool. But yeah, that uh, second song. That is a second solid song of three. Alright. Yeah. Like The exposition song didn't do much for me, but man, that one, the ghost one was cool. 
Mm-hmm. And it had nice little touches of like performing. Like when Sadie falls to her knees and puts down the mic, she turns it off very quickly before dropping it. Yes. And I was like, oh, yeah. That, I saw that and I was just like, yeah, nice treatment of the equipment. Yeah. <laughs> and she doesn't get the feedback from dropping it and it doesn't blow out the speakers. Like, yeah. Just her quickly flipping it was a nice touch. Yes. It's. I don't know. I, I like subtle touches like that. <laughs> well, we also. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to say also, it's a very character specific touch. Oh, yeah. Just because that's a Sadie thing. <laughs> Big time. Uh, I feel like it's an influence of, and I'm only thinking of it because we just saw it. Uh, the film Jonathan and I saw before this was Ponyo. Uh, they did the 10th anniversary one of the screenings today. And uh, we had just walked out of that. And I feel like a lot of the Studio Ghibli influence that we get here, Studio Ghibli, if you prefer, uh, where the characters go out of their way to treat objects like real objects. Mm. Like in Ponyo, for example, the mother starts up their generator when the lights go out. That generator... I've actually used that same model of generator and it starts up by flipping all the right switches that she did. She did everything in order. Like she uh, presses three times to uh, pump the fuel and uh, not flush it. Then she turns on the fuel gauge and uh, flips the main power and and pulls it. And it's all in the proper order you're supposed to do it in. And it's a very extra step kind of polish that I feel like Steven Universe kind of takes and uses that same polish of just the minor the little minor details ah. I, it's a lot to actually like kind of go into like specifics on objects and things mm-hmm. when you're writing a story especially with an animation it's easier just to go like yeah only do the things that you need to do okay. but in, to go the extra step and go like okay they well, need to do this thing with this object or this like they need to be typing this this way right it's it's like that those little movies where they're it's the difference between actually like knowing how to like use a controller and just pressing random buttons i was gonna bring that up uh when uh, we were watching Great Teacher Onizuka for the first time. If you're old enough to watch that anime, watch that anime. Uh, but you commented on how he, when they show Ape Escape, he's actually playing Ape Escape. Yeah. Like he's hitting the proper bu- buttons. And little touches like that are things that I feel like uh, this crew universe has really pulled from. Like They've acknowledged and admired those steps and other animators works and now they've brought it onto their own because we don't see it so much in early steven but i feel like now that they're getting a little more going to them they can do more like that mm-hmm. and they're really going out of their way to swing the light on it and i like it a lot yeah Should, do, oh do also, i need to explain that term uh is that is who framed roger rabbit terminology common enough to Nope, but okay. yeah, go go ahead. Short version: uh, In Who Framed Roger Rabbit, there's a scene where uh, he and the detective are fighting, and uh, a light fixture, a free hanging light fixture, gets spun around the room, uh, 
and the light, uh, the shadow of the light moving, uh, moves on Roger the same way it does the rest of the room. And when that scene was originally written, they were going to have Roger duck under the light and not hit it, but uh, they went out of the way to make it happen and show the extra polish to bring you into the world, and the term they use for it is called swinging the light. So in animation, when you go for that extra step to make things realistic, it's called swing the light. Yeah. So, Some to to look at that, look at that, and all those terms and all the cool things about Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Click that eye thing up there. Also, look in the show notes. Sorry, I, I realized I just added a lot of extra homework. Yeah, but I I I, I like it just supporting other YouTubers and stuff. Sorry, Gavin guys. Christian does does a great video on it. <laughs> Sorry, guys, but now I can use that term freely, and there's no excuse. Also, wa- watch that video. <laughs> yeah. Can we click? Can that be up in the little eye? Can they click that? Oh, yeah. Cool. I, I can totally put it in. Yeah, click that And also, eye. it will be in the description. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and in so. the description. And man, if you're not on YouTube, you are just disadvantaged at this point. Oh, no, I... I mean, as in, I'm I'm going to put it in the description of the podcast as well, so you can just like go like, okay. Oh, rad, man! There's no excuse for yeah. you guys not to watch this stuff then. Yeah. All right, so back to uh, our Sadie Killer and the somethings. Suspects. <laughs> Who? Running. <laughs> Good gosh. <laughs> Running back the the whole whole show show first. What be. Before Sadie goes on stage, she she notices someone out in the crowd who looks eerily similar to her, to her mother, except with sunglasses and, and a dumb wig. Yeah, <laughs> and and a punk punk outfit. So she goes like, "That's just my mom," in a wig and a punk outfit. <laughs> and she's mad, but then she goes out of her way to put on a show for her mom. Yeah, she's she's decides that she she wants to go all out with this with this song so that and, her mom can be proud of her yeah and when that that woman comes up to them backstage after the show hey it's sunny it's, yeah <laughs> and Sadie's sad that her mom didn't show yeah but and so yeah oh uh, no go ahead I was just gonna transition you go for it Fair enough. Uh, what did you call it? And so Steve, Stephen goes. But hey, you can just invite her, invite her to the next next show. Yeah, and Sadie has the nice moment of saying, "Mr. Universe, can our next show be in Beach City?" So, she has the growth of finally accepting that her mother just wants to support and be a part of her life. Yeah, and it's very nice. We have the final closing scene of everyone sleeping in the van. And that last line from Sadie. And then we have to figure out where the heck Steven was sitting for him to be moving the camera like that. He, he's just sitting on someone. <laughs> <laughs> now Steven's on this invisible box. Because, <laughs> like, the back seat's totally full. And Sadie's sitting shotgun. Greg's driving. Where is Steven in that van? Where is Steven? <laughs> and because of that question of continuity i had to knock 0.5 off this episode giving it 4.5 out of 5 no i'm I'm kidding i gave 4.5 out of 5 just because it was a very enjoyable episode like 
it was framed very well. The plot was very fun and felt very independent and standalone, which we've been struggling with with past episodes. Uh, the exposition song felt a little forced, but other than that, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. It was fun. Comparatively to like past Steven bombs and stuff, I, I don't know. I I really really like like these set sets of episodes so so far. Like even like starting with this, uh, starting with the one before, starting with this one, they all just have a very like homey feel, and I I really like like the direction that they're going. Yeah. And with that, we are halfway through these episodes. Yeah. So, we are about at the hour mark. If you wanted to take a break and pause, now would be an excellent time to do it. Because when you come back, Jonathan's gonna say... The Bits! Welcome back, everybody. Did you have a good time on the break? Yeah. Yeah. Did they we go We were just here. And... Yeah, I mean, we were just here. It's only been a second for us. Yeah. Ryan went off and he got distracted halfway through and started talking to his mom and then he originally went down for a snack which was weird and now he's just kind of there you know he started talking to her then he saw that his dad was watching that show on TV at the movie and watched together and he's been meaning to get around to it it's been on the DVR for like a week but then he ended up sitting down and watching it and got kind of distracted and I just come back up and realized that he left the podcast running and now his battery's a little bit lower it's fine though his charger's right there you can plug it back up and i'm really freaking out one person named ryan right now i was about to say the exact same thing (laughs) (laughs) oh please if your name is ryan and that just happened please put a comment down below i will give you a shout out for living an amazingly weirdly specific life good gosh So pool hopping. Yeah? What did you call it? Garden wants to explore her future site by doing random things. And so they do random things. Yeah? The episode starts by us overlooking Beach City. And what do you know? The map looks just like in the game. Steven Universe, Save the Light. A Let's Play of which is now available on Something About Geek Stuff. Click the eye. Yes, if you haven't six times already. (laughs) You're getting like four hours worth of content in this one podcast, so buckle up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Steven's upset because the Big Donut's closed. And he's looking around, and he says, where am I going to get my breakfast now? Which makes me think Steven needs to eat healthier if he's eating Big Donuts every day. Yeah. And we get to the Big Donut, and... Suddenly it's open and people are there, which means, well, Sadie quit, and Lars is in space, so who's working the Big Donut? It's Mayor, no, it's Garnet. <laughs> Our prediction of Mayor Dewey doesn't add up, because yeah. <laughs> Garnet's there, and Mayor Dewey isn't working at the Big Donut. Though Buck Dewey is there. <laughs> In the same place in the same time, which means something. Jim Lu- Luminati confirmed that Garnet is Buck Dewey and is just duplicated herself. I don't know. I'm gonna justify that somehow. 
<laughs> Steven doesn't have real friends. It's just the gems in disguise. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I guess uh, we were wrong. Mayor Dewey won't be filling up the big donut hole that exists in Beach City. Indeed. And Garnet, Garnet. <laughs> yeah. Garnet explained, says Jonathan, put it that she wants to be hashtag so random. Yeah. And she doesn't have to justify it. She can just be hashtag so random. Look, pause, pausing this for a bit. As soon as she she said that, I was just like, "Is is this gonna be one of those what if episodes?" <laughs> I, because it really felt felt like that for a second, but no, <laughs> it it's not. <laughs> well, she explains. She spills coffee and she says that she's ex- interested in exploring those random possibilities that have so little chance of happening that she just wants to see where they go. And so she explains why she needs to be hashtag so random. Then Steven says he understands and Garnet just calls Steven an idiot by saying <laughs> she didn't expect him to understand it. And it, Gosh. And so then Steven asks if she cleans up the coffee and Garnet justifies being hashtag so lazy. By just saying that would be what they'd expect me to do. Then she quits. Yep. So the big donuts power struggle is once again open and the hole needs to be filled. And Hannibal Burris stands there waiting for his coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Tell me that guy doesn't look like Hannibal Burris. <laughs> You're right. I just put the note that these people are gonna be st- are gonna starve waiting in the big donut for the next person to come up. Yeah. Good guys. Uh, so uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Stephen and Garnet order twenty pizzas, and I realized that Stephen and Garnet are just gonna annoy people for eleven minutes in this episode. Yep. So then, uh, Garnet. Explains, we're not going to eat the pizzas. We're going to give them out to people. And they start just throwing pizza at people. Indeed. And my theory is confirmed. They're just going to be annoying for 11 minutes. Then uh, they decide to visit a particular individual in Beach City. Character that we have come to know and love on the podcast. They go to see Videl. Yeah. And Garnet says that it's because her son is still stuck in space. And Steven says, no, Onions. Well, right over there, it's Onions stealing some stuff. Yeah. And I want to see the Space Captain Onion timeline so bad. Gosh. That that actually bothers me, because I think it's it's something that's totally going to happen in a future episode or something. Do tell, do tell. Like, I, I feel like that's, like, offhanded foreshadowing towards some episode and I don't don't know how or when and it just messed me up a little bit because I'm just like oh <laughs> <laughs> is is that just just a throwaway remark or is this this going to come up in a future episode I don't know anymore <laughs> <laughs> is it future vision we'll never know yeah <laughs> so they they meet Videl <laughs> They meet Fidel, they bust in, and yell, get excited for pizza. Yeah. 
Wait. This is the most expressive voice acting that Stell has done <laughs> in the series, like, overall ever since uh, Stephen Con- Connie fused. <laughs> what was the name of that twin that worked with Aquamarine? Uh, what did you call it? Topaz. Yeah, Topaz. Topaz is gonna come back and take on you. <laughs> For no reason, this ship lands. <laughs> what you call it? Topaz gra- grads onion just like goes up in the ship and it flies off. <laughs> <sighs> Funny. <laughs> I want to see it. I want to see it so bad. And then Onion goes to fight Emerald, but he can't talk his way out of it and just gets blown up. Fucking <laughs> guys. I don't like Onion. I think Onion is a wonderful character. As I've said on this podcast before, I don't like Onion because I knew kids like Onion growing up. Oh. Yes. So, they scare Videl, and I mm. just thought it was funny that she hides behind her version of the scream. That's a nice touch. It was. Edward Munch would be proud. So, then she decides, you know what? I'm going to paint, but I've been painting this empty bench forever. And they Garnet and Steven throw themselves in front of it. And Garnet makes the wonderful Titanic reference, paint me like one of your amethysts. (laughs) Weird amount of pop culture references in this Steven bomb. Indeed. Nice also, though. there's a weird amount of amethysts in your garage. <laughs> well, she uh, had said in a previous episode that she would paint amethyst because amethyst would shapeshift into weird, different uh, objects for her, and she considered amethyst her muse because she was always able to get a unique experience with each painting. Yeah. So that was but, something that was already established. Oh, yeah. And I, I totally under- understand that. It's just like you look at all the photos and they're they're not Amethyst turning into anything. It's just like her doing goofy poses. <laughs> I like that. But, yeah. Videl makes me happy because I too just have random crap that I made years ago lying around. Indeed. Uh, which, speaking of, but, I need yeah. to finish that prop for Devonta. Off topic, sorry. I'm sitting here just looking at it. It's just staring me down in the corner of my room. Uh, As clubs do. Yeah. So, Garnet is posing, and Steven's posing, and then they see a kitten, and I wrote the note, Garnet is straight up about to ruin this painting for this kitten. (laughs) (laughs) No, what'd you call it? She's, She's gonna, like... Blame it on Steven. She is. She's straight <laughs> up about to blame it on Steven. Garnet has quit her job, made seagulls sick with pizza, thrown a pizza at a man's face, and now is about to ruin this painting. Garnet is a public menace in this episode. Yeah. Did you call it? Garnet, do, does our future say say we can save that that kitten? I I don't know. I know Steven. <laughs> <laughs> what, what what do you say we should do? Uh, we do? <laughs> Don't s- ask me. <laughs> tell me. 
<laughs> Take all responsibility away from me on this, Stephen. Good catch. <laughs> Jeez. But is... then she notices that the cat has one eye like Sapphire, and the ruby side of her face starts sweating, and all bets are off. <laughs> Good gosh. Oh, uh, want to take this moment, though. For those fans that decided they want to start chasing stray cats, uh, a lot of local shelters that will do free vaccinations for stray cats and release them back into the wild will clip their ear at the top. It's a painless procedure, but it lets you know that the cat's properly vaccinated. So... Check with your local vet if you find a cat, see if that's something they do, and make sure that you bring the cat in to be properly examined before you take it into your home. Hmm. Random wildcat PSA, but I felt bad if I didn't say anything about it. I know. Fun, fun name drive. Yeah, I used to feed uh, stray cats that lived on our college campus, and that was something that they had us do. We'd uh, get them properly vaccinated, like we'd catch them in a, a cruelty-free little uh kennel and then take him out to the vet who would do it for free as a favor to the school and then let him go and they got to live in the little cat sanctuary Ooh. so yeah cats are cool just make sure that you're taking care of them to the best of your ability if you're deciding that you want to bring one into your life also when they find out that at through chasing the cat, they find out that there's not one, but like six of them. And I was legitimately afraid with how violent Garnet was being in this episode that she was going to be random and just hurt these poor cats. Oh yeah, when like just immediately that hard one. pause of what you call it, Stephen handing Garnet the cats and nothing happened happening, and then he makes the realization, wait. We're being random. <laughs> I was so afraid she was just going to take it and chuck it into the air. <laughs> this cat empty. Yeet! <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at that. That's terrible. Don't throw cats. Don't yeet cats. Don't yeet cats. My gosh. But, Garnet has a breakdown and confesses that her future site's been all messed up. And yeah. then we begin the sad Simone arc of Garnet. Indeed. Also, that super explains all the moments that her future site doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, and Steven explains to her, like, hey, it'll be okay, you don't have to understand everything. Like, But I'll be here to help you work through this and get through all the problems that you're having. And it was super nice. And Garnet has a realization. And Jonathan, you want to take over? Yeah. The realization is that Garnet nev never considered Stephen to actually grow up. And as we've we've gone through the the series from the fir first season to now, Stephen's made more adult adult decisions and actually has become more responsible. And so to improve her future site once again, Garnet plans to start treating Steven like an adult. Yeah. And so her visions will be fixed. And so in order to honor this, she decides she wants something weak and helpless to take care of again. So she takes the one-eyed cat. Indeed. And then immediately names it Steven and tells Steven you're dead to me because you got old. Yeah, what did you call it? 
and then Steven says like hey that that's a little bit confusing and so she names it Cat Cat Steven Cat Steven wonderful name indeed and the episode ends with Cat Steven yeah Jonathan would you like to begin final thoughts final thoughts oh this is another fun fun episode like I don't know. Either it's... I, I feel like... I don't know. Overall, I I hope I'm not overhyping these episodes, but what'd you call it? It's, I just generally felt, felt good through all this. The moments that were like... Leave, to leave the audience in the dark over what's going, going to happen next. And the goofy moments of like... <laughs> doing random things to to explore different the out there timelines I thought it was just all all good fun so I liked it yeah. also having an actual explanation of just like hey there's totally times where Garnet's future site should have solved the problem in having an explanation for it. <laughs> we got a Some plot way. hole filler. Yeah. <laughs> that question was answered. <laughs> Wonderfully so. so I yeah. gave it a 4.5 out of 5 once again. Thoroughly enjoyed mm. the episode. A lot of fun. Uh, there's a lot of subtleties played with here. A lot of background stuff. Uh, everything from hiding behind the screen to only half a garnet's face sweating when she saw the sapphire cat. Gosh. It was nice. Mm-hmm. Overall, just a good episode. Very, again, strong standalone, which, as I've said, some of the episodes in previous Stephen Bomb suffered from. This is just like, if this were on randomly, I'd sit and watch it again. Oh, yeah. I feel like a lot of these episodes could could be played place out of order and it'd just be be fine besides the like Larson off, off colors yeah and that's how I feel Steven Universe drives as a whole when it's the plot isn't primary like mm. it's just secondary running in the background like we know that Lars is still moving forward in his adventures it's just different it's not yeah. taking center stage constantly we're not getting small movies worth a content with it it's just it's standalone it's nice and we can check in with Lars every now and then see how he's doing oh he's a little closer great mm-hmm. and we'll just move on from there but we don't have to have whole Steven bombs dedicated to him Indeed. so Jonathan for the last time in this episode I probably took too long to pause there we're not canceling the show. I'm floundering here. Just say the thing. Actually, Sammy, for the sake of being random, can you say it for me? No. Huh. I'll say it twice. The bits. The bits! Yeah! <laughs> you would have expected me to say it once. Oh, yes. And that's what they want us to think. <laughs> what they want us to do now is talk about the final episode, Letters to Lars. 
Yeah. Did you call it? Essentially, uh, Lars and the off colors are still out, out in space. Lars doing his captain log. And he gets a letter through his, his head. From Steven. Yeah. And before, oh, before we talk about the letter, I want to say I love that the captain's log is Friday, I think. Yeah. Because it, like, that's an excellent point that time doesn't work the way we think it does in space. Indeed. Time is different in space. You don't have a day-night cycle to indicate. Friday is just whenever you think it is. Mm-hmm. Like, you can try to guess that 24 hours has passed, but really a day on earth is different from a day on mars is different from a day on homeworld so lars saying friday i think is wonderful yeah also he's on a ship with no one who knows what a day is (laughs) they understand days they just don't understand days of the week yeah can you imagine lars like with a basic calendar (laughs) trying to explain the days of the week to the off colors (laughs) <laughs> this is Friday. <laughs> oh, do do you eat on that day? <laughs> Papua New Guinea pops up with Lars is going to teach us something irrelevant. <laughs> oh, gosh, oh. truly, it it would be a fun fun time. This is why we need off. Off colors and Lars space adventures as shorts. Uh, do you mean the adventures content. of Captain Lars and the off colors in space, space, space? In- Indeed. Wonderful. You need shorts for for all these wonderful moments. Speaking of shorts, I predict mm. that this episode is going to be a series of short plots that can't flesh out a full episode. That's fair. That was my prediction when I saw letters coming in from Stephen. So we go to Steven, and it's, yeah. what is he doing? Who's he talking to? Oh, gosh. I, I can't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you already started so... blocking him out of your memory. <laughs> yeah. Just outside the big donut, somebody's complaining. Gosh, it's it's the character that everyone loves. No one loves this character. Ronaldo. And that's all we're going to say about him. Yeah, <laughs> Ronaldo, <on>. he's here. <laughs> so then it turns out, hey, Mayor Dewey's there, <laughs> and Mayor Dewey, he sees the big donut, and he says, "I too struggle, big donut." But that's all I'm gonna say about that right now. And he just leaves it there, and we're like, "Okay, whatever." Yeah, me and the big donut are two of a kind. Yeah, maybe she worked there, Mayor Dewey. Confirm some theories from last podcast. Nah, I'll, I'll just walk around town. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go to the actual mayor then and see if she has something to say. <laughs> and so we go, Gosh. and we're talking about a contingency plan for if we have a crystal gem-related problem. Which yeah. I like because she says a, a, like a gem problem. Not saying like problem caused by the gems like Dewey would but like mm-hmm. saying hey if the, there's a problem and the gems have to handle it I want to get everyone to safety and then you guys handle it 
and she's and I, oh go ahead I want to say that uh, you kind of see it in another episode I think where she's pointing out a out a plan yeah but yeah I I just like like the fact that she's she's taking initiative and actually like preparing the town for stuff yeah she's super like I don't know, I like that she's working with the gems. It shows that she's super, like, dedicated to keeping the town together. And that means every member. Whereas Dewey was real quick to find, like, a scapegoat for his problems. Like, he would make Steven the person that would fix everything or blame everything on the gems. Yeah. She's very much if the class of, I said I was bringing this community together. You're the part of the community. Come be together. Yeah. And I... I do find. I don't know whether it's that she invited Buck Dewey, not Buck Dewey, uh, Mayor Dewey to uh, like actually help out. I wish she invited, invited Buck, Buck Dewey. To Dewey. Help out. I want Buck <laughs> Dewey to be on her council now. Just yeah. <laughs> so this is my plan to bring everyone together. I feel as though this plan is a radical move toward friendship and community, but could also serve to have more lasers. Okay, Buck. <laughs> Thanks for yeah. your contribution, man. <laughs> I'm Witch's cat. <laughs> <laughs> He's just wearing the costume <laughs> to council meetings. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Whoa, Buck, you're a counselor now? I'm a witch's cat. <laughs> oh, Can we make that a meme, actually? Can we forget sassy pose lards and make I'm a witch's cat response to anything anytime someone misinterprets something? Yeah. I love it. But, yeah. I I like that Nana Fufu, like, still invites Mayor Dewey to meetings, if that's a thing, or maybe he just wandered in. <laughs> I feel like the invitation was extended. Yeah. Like, Mayor Dewey does invite himself a lot of places, but I believe Gengo would go out of her way to say, like, yeah, you're still a part of this community, even if you're no longer the head of the community. Yeah, and he he actually does bring bring up uh, solid, solid points within, like, the council meeting and stuff. Oh, yeah. And even just from a mayoral standpoint, if you were to just, like, cast out the old mayor and not seek advice from them on how to run the city, that's just bad planning. Mm-hmm. This person ran the community. Get their insight. And I feel like she's doing a great job of that. Of Just like, I want to hear everybody out. Like when Garnet says, maybe we could freeze some pizza supplies. It's like, yeah, that's awesome. And when they're talking about contacting people, it's like, yeah, I'll give you a ride around town. Excellent. Oh, I'll uh, go on foot. Okay, if you feel comfortable doing that, you do it. And then Pearl gets excited about her phone. And no one tells yeah. her, yeah, that's a dumb idea. They just tell her, yeah, go for it. Anything helps. Mass text. <laughs> <laughs> what number do I call for mass text? Gosh. <laughs> Bet you anything, the convention we're going to at the end of the week will have a bunch of Pearl cosplayers playing with cell phones. Yeah. What did you call it? She's she's going to use it to call, call her cool girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, pink girl. Why else would she get it? Who else she need to contact? Exactly. I mean, she went for but walkie-talkies I... with Steven and Connie, so. Yeah. What did she call it? I just love how she, she like explains it as a scandalous thing. She's just like, Pearl, is that your first cell phone? Maybe. Like, it might be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's... 
Pearl's so proud of herself. Yeah, it's wonderful. I love it. <laughs> My only downside for the new mayor, a loudspeaker and alarm system would work much better than having to have everybody contact everybody. Oh, yeah. Like, just a siren? Mm-hmm. Like an actual, like, uh, danger alert system. Yeah. But that's just me being oversighting and annoying. My next note here, for some reason, is just ah. Like A and then like seven H's, and I don't know why. Uh, did you call it in the chronology of this? I think we're at the improv show now. Uh, are we? I guess I was upset about something. Editor Jonathan here. I took a look at the episode while I was putting in clips and stuff, and I I think I have a pretty good idea of what Sam was distraught about. Here it goes. I volunteer! I love looking out! Uh, well, I guess I got over it. Uh, did you call it Amethyst? Turns into a plunger. Uh, what you call it? My next point is when uh, Mayor Dewey busts in and they're mean to him. Said he was trying. Leave Mayor Dewey alone. You want? He's trying to be a part of the improv team. Yeah. Do you call it trying to be be the waiter at the the plumber in the wrong skit? Yeah. Can we say that that, that Par- I miss Mickey? Yeah. <laughs> Can we say that Paradot is amazing at audience participation? We need a word from the audience, Stephen. That was last week's. <laughs> we do <laughs> Stephen every week. I like the Stephen sketches. Good gosh. But, oh, I miss Stephen Paradot. I love Paradot episodes. Hmm. I just. Like the the random mix of people who were there for the improv shows. <laughs> it was Amethyst, Paradot, Mr. Happy, Mr. Happy, Mayor Dewey, and Jamie. Yeah, just random. How do you assemble that group of characters? I wonder. Gosh. Well, Mr. Happy did show showbiz. Right. Amethyst. This is down where she can turn into any anything she wants to. Yeah, I guess plus she's not doing uh, the whole wrestling thing anymore, so she probably misses performing. Yeah. I feel like Peridot just walked in and got stuck there. And then she was mm-hmm. like, I can be on stage every week. This is amazing. I will be you the get... best at improv that ever existed. It gets her closer to, to her, uh, what you call it, Camp drama. <laughs> oh yeah, Camp Pining Hearts. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, now I want to see one where she keeps trying to make Camp Pining Hearts. <laughs> I love it. Man. A- Amethyst is a plunger, so we need to use the plunger. <laughs> it looks like you're holding an incredibly thin Subway sandwich. Gosh. <laughs> I love that. It's it's fun. The improv was just that whole scene was wonderful. Mm. <laughs> yeah, 
And then we uh, cut to Greg playing tennis. Indeed. Trying to get into rich people's sports. Being rich has made you weak. Now kill <laughs> Mayor Dewey with this tennis ball. Yeah. Oh my freaking gosh. That that whole exchange is amazing. I love that. <laughs> Garnet's extending her limbs so Craig can't get a break. And he asks her to go easy and she says, I am going easy. <laughs> Mayor Dewey runs in and then immediately gets clocked with a 90 mile per hour tennis ball. Gosh, leaving him with a concussion, most likely. Oh, yeah, he's dead. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, and then they do wrestling updates, which is cute because Lars got all excited for it. Oh, yeah. He's just like, yeah, wrestling. And he quickly <laughs> reads through the notes and he's into it, and that was nice. Hmm. Again, those extra little touches. Then uh, we find out what happened uh, to Petey. He now owns a fry stand because he can't drive to make his fry van a fry van. So he bought a van. He's making teeter tots. Yeah. And then you find out that it was the old Dewey Mobile. And so, oh, Petey, Petey stole. Stole a van. And you find out, nope, they just gave him the van. <laughs> yep. They wanted nothing to do with it, so he just painted over it, and now he sells tots. And Steven continues to harass him and be the worst customer ever. Yep. Can I get the bits? Where are the bits? They're tater tots. Literally, wouldn't they are want... the bits. Huh? <laughs> Did you call it, wouldn't you want a tater tot instead, Steven? Just just order the tots, Dude. Steven. They're, they're the french fry of the new age. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> Did you call Did Do tater tots have bits? <laughs> I'll get you the bits. Oh, gosh. Poor kid. I mean, good for him for being self-sufficient, but gosh, poor kid. Yeah. I'll never get but, over him having the crisis in his first appearance episode. Yeah, he's he's way older in mindset than he should be. <laughs> oh, he's, he's jaded. He's jaded. Oh, he's mentally older than Ronaldo. <laughs> Everyone's mentally older than Ronaldo. Peridot is mentally older than Ronaldo. Good gosh. Onion is mentally older than Ronaldo. Onion can run a store. He can. Do you see Ronaldo's store gosh. in our playthrough? I don't think so. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, as you call it, while well, he's, he's smack-talking the, the Dewey movie, Mobile. <laughs> Mayor Dewey overhears it. It's real sad. Eating tots. <laughs> <laughs> he still he's, he still came to the store and spent his money, but he's sad about it. Yeah. Did you call him? Because literally he walked over and he's just like, yeah, I'll support your business. And then he sat over at the bench and he's just like, yeah, his head's like a potato. <laughs> People are so mean oh. to Mayor Dewey. They're so mean to Mayor Dewey. Yeah. Well, then we get a scene of Mayor Dewey walking away real sad. And I know Mayor Dewey can't be an alcoholic on Steven Universe, but he is 100% an alcoholic in this scene. Yeah. He's just sad. He's disheveled. His hair is all droopy. He's got bags under his eyes. Mm. That man, we can't say he's been drinking, but he's been drinking. 
Oh, gosh. And then he gets a new lease on life, because as we predicted, he works at the Big Donut. Yeah, he continues his, his monologue with the, the Big Donut, and him being one one in the same. Yeah, and then he decides to rename all the donuts after him, without running it by any sort of management or owner of the business. I don't think anyone owns it. <laughs> Where do they get supplies, I, then? Who's paying I, him? Did you call it? I, I'm pretty sure. Did you call it? They had had built the like donut store, and Dewey like paid out of it out out of pocket because it was a town thing. Yeah, and and then just never actually thought about it. <laughs> so it's like a family-owned business, but it doesn't have the family. Yeah, he's he's just like yeah. I, I'll I'll pay. For pay for the big donut yeah sure our citizen needs donuts so wait then how does sadie have double shifts that make her sad because in the sadie killer song the very first one she says uh i really should be in mourning but i have another shift this morning yeah if she was sad she could just leave and she did yeah but she quit if there was no owner, she could have just closed it. Did you see an owner, owner during it? <laughs> a Steven Universe conspiracy. Where are Mr. or Mrs. <laughs> Donut? Yes. We got the Frymans. Mm. We got our pizza family. Where are the donuts? Also, who's going to design a character and call them Mr. and Mrs. Donut? Yes. If anything, I would think it would be owned by Lars's parents. Uh, yeah, that make would make sense. Because he's the like he and uh Kostar and Sadie were the only ones who had had T-shirts. Uh, Lars has expert expertise in bake, baking and cooking. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I'm super confusing it with Gravity Falls because I thought that. Lars's parents were psychiatrists, but that's definitely Robbie, isn't it? Uh, no, Robbie's par- parents are morticians. Uh, what'd you call it? You- you're right, they are therapists. Maybe they just also own a... You know what? Yeah, they own a pizza sh- or a donut shop, confirmed. Why not? I've said weirder things on this podcast. Yours actually makes sense. Let's confirm it right now. You're Rebecca Sugar. Let's make a cat. <laughs> Lars's middle name is Blairpole. <laughs> this is too much power. Good gosh. Love it. Uh, in this scene where uh, Mayor Dewey's giving everybody his donuts and working at the big donut. Onion's standing there looking at the Lion Liquors and pulls out a crowbar. Onion's about to lose this man his new job. (laughs) Yeah. Good gosh. Also, I want to go into a donut store and order a classic Dewey. Or a glazed donut, as it was described. Yes. So, uh, Lars is reading these letters and 
Steven tells him one last thing about the big donut. They make a special Lars donut. It's pink with pink sprinkles. And then they bring one to his parents to just remind them, your son's a, a zombie that's trapped in space, but have a free donut. Also, I, I don't know why they didn't make it a, a jelly-filled filled donut with like a per like a pink swirl. To remind them of their son's blood that's been spilled in space. <laughs> of course. I just like the look of the parents' faces. Like, this is terrible. But your heart was in the right place, I guess. Come on in. Yeah. You just reminded us <laughs> of our dead space zombie son. You're crying because you did such a bad job at designing a donut around her son. <laughs> Come on. Pink on pink, Lars would never want that. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, so Jonathan, hit us with those final thoughts on this final episode of Stephen Bomb Nine. Did you call it? Uh, this one was a bit harder for me to watch because Dewey being super sad is actually very, very well being super awkward is very very sad yeah he tries or maybe I actually had that right but either way it's awkward and we feel was, bad about it yeah it was it was absolutely like oh I don't want to want to see Mayor Dewey like this or did you call I can't actually remember his, his real name uh Sadie's mom sa says it and I totally forget Mayor Dewey's name yeah she call, calls him by his first name. Bill. Probably. Oh, no, I just looked it up. It's Bill. Ah, cool. Yeah, I had my phone so, right next to me, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Bill just being... being ah, that's weird. <laughs> Mayor Dewey. <laughs> yeah. Not Mayor Mayor Dewey. <laughs> Mayor-ish Dewey. Yeah. Mayor adjacent Dewey. <laughs> Donut shop Dewey. <laughs> oh, duh. Former Mayor Dewey. Donut Dewey. Yeah, Donut Dewey. <laughs> yeah, Donut Dewey. Do we so, sell donuts? Do we do? <laughs> yes. Love it. Love everything about it. Want it on a t-shirt. Our new... Our new hashtag for this episode is going to be Do We Sell Donuts? Hashtag Do We Sell Donuts. Put it on the screen. Put it on the screen. Gosh. And so. Uh, I gave this one a 4 out of 5. Ending was a little weak of the uh, thanks for sending the letter, but why didn't you just tell me about it? And why are you reading it? Like that was kind of hokey. The rest was super good yeah. though. Uh, I wasn't correct about the uh, weak plots that didn't stand on their own coming together, so that was nice. It had an overarching plot that was sewn together by stuff. And the, the super good point that Lars brings up of, Steven, I don't know who half these people are. Yeah. And that was nice because it was like, oh yeah, these characters never have interacted. There would be no way for him to know who Peridot is. That makes perfect sense. And that's something we don't think about because we know all these characters as interacting in one universe. 
But then Lars just straight up points out, I've never interacted with these people. Who are they? Yeah. And that worked out well. That was cool. Also, I, I feel like Peridot coming on, on the ship with the off-colors would be a very, very bad interaction. Oh, no. She'd be real racist. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, no. Peridot can't meet the off-colors right now. Let's let's not do that. Peridot needs to grow a little bit. We need a couple more so, Peridot arcs before that happens. Let her sing a couple songs. <laughs> Decent loving planet Earth. Whoa. Yeah, maybe a couple reprises of that one, huh? Singing it around. Yeah. Let's have all of Beach City stand in a circle. Don't stop till everyone's done. Good gosh. Though that would be interesting for future predictions of saying, like, hey, uh, Peridot, like, is notorious on Homeworld for being a super stickler for the rules and everything. And they're, like, super anxious to meet her, and then she gets there, she's like, she looks at him and is, like, judging, like, hmm, yes, I see an orange sapphire and a pearl and a ruby fusion. Hmm. And then she just stops and goes, like, that is wonderful! And everyone's like, what? Yeah. And she's like, you're all so unique and different, and you'll fit in so well with this band of weirdos. <laughs> like, something like that, where it's like, oh, wow, Peridot, you've grown. Good for you. Yeah. Also, I apologize that my Peridot voice is a little off tonight. No, it's fine. It's near midnight. Well, that actually is midnight. Yeah, it is exactly midnight. Yeah. We need to do these at a decent hour. Indeed. Well, as we are coming up on the hour 45 mark, give or take some change for cutting stuff out, Jonathan, mm -hmm. do you want to give your final thoughts on Stephen Bomb 9? They should really stop numbering these. Yeah, uh, it, it felt like, just like, like a ni nice set of episodes. I've had different feelings about these types of Stephen Bombs in the past, but this one just felt nice. I, I feel like the, the writing's a, a bit tighter uh, having characters that needed to grow out into two different arcs and stuff. I I liked the direction that they went with this like Stephen Bomb compared to the other like non like story heavy uh, Stephen Bombs. Yeah. Agreed. Uh I feel like these episodes would work really well. What well, eh, work really well? It's definitely after midnight. Uh, on a weekly air basis, like if these came out a week at a time, mm. they'd really work well. I don't foresee Cartoon Network ever doing that, but if they did, I'd be down for weekly Stevens instead of whatever's happening here. Yeah. As you call it, it it's probably gonna run like day by day. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy with any Steven, but I'd like weekly new episodes. Hmm. I I can only imagine how they make make the schedules for for these work. Well, I know Cartoon Network now has like days dedicated to new episodes of things. Hmm. <sighs> like uh I feel like it's Thursdays, but, like, We Bear Bears and uh, Teen Titans Go and uh, OKKO. OK like, those had air, yeah. those air weekly just fine, no problem. 
I know Steven Universe is a little com more complex than Teen Titans Go, but I feel like if they gave it a regular air date, it would really just improve the show. And we wouldn't be on Steven Bomb 9. Yeah. But I somehow think that <laughs> Steven Universe and Gravity Falls being on the same animation, like cycle on how they turn out episodes has something to do with the production yeah and the the network i'm i'm not exactly sure i'm not gonna go into all all that business and stuff and how they they do that but jonathan you're rebecca sure. sugar Shh, that's a secret no i'm <laughs> i'm not rebecca sugar she has her her own steven universe podcast and can totally just squash ours so Hey, hey, yeah. Rebecca, don't sell yourself short. This podcast <laughs> has been running longer. It doesn't have as many episodes or doesn't viewers. Have all the special guests. <laughs> or guests. Or quality. <laughs> or credentials. Or official seal of approval. But you know what it does have? What? The Mayor of Optimism. Indeed. I I thought you were laser boxes today. And Jonathan, when you have a laser box in this fine nation of ours, you have to be optimistic that it's going to work. Frankly, about a box that just says laser on it. Who knows what's in that thing? Vote for me, mayor <laughs> anything. Yeah. <laughs> Strong finish. <laughs> and with that, everybody... So yeah. Jonathan, do you want to leave them with any sort of question to comment down below? Uh, I still want to know what Buck Dewey's stand is. Uh, give give us your own theories you you form during during these episodes. Uh, if there's anything you missed, tell us. We will totally talk about it on the next time time we pop up. If there's anything we got wrong, you want us to correct, tell us that. Yeah. If there's anything that you want us to talk more about, let us know. Uh, if we got a little tangential on this one. Mostly, I got tangential on this one. If you want more of that, let us know. If you want less of it, let us know that too. If you're Rebecca Sugar, let us know down below. I, I hope. Well, yeah, you, you could be listening to this, Rebecca Sugar. You you could be going like this... this 23 year old old man is not not me <laughs> that would be amazing just have Rebecca Sugar <laughs> just comment this guy isn't me <laughs> that's fair what do you call it I, I know her, her dad's on YouTube <laughs> if you're Rebecca Sugar's dad let us know down below yeah you can tell, tell us what, what you think of the episodes <laughs> or why you disagree with our opinions of your child's creation <laughs> oh my gosh, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, without further ado, everybody, from Homeworld to Beach City to all the cosmos in between, this has been The Bits, the Steven Universe podcast. Like the video if you're watching on YouTube. Rate us on whatever podcast platform you may be on. Subscribe to Something About Geek Stuff for all your nerdy news. Check out our other podcasts as well as our Let's Play of Steven Universe Save the Light. I've been the mayor of anything. And I'm not Rebecca Sugar, Jonathan. Thanks for watching. Jonathan. Yeah.
I've been suddenly struck with amnesia. What show am I on? You're on the beds. If you're watching this till the very last second, I want you to comment down below Sea Cucumber. Don't explain it. Don't say anything. Anyone that does it, instant shout out next episode. Okay, I'm not saying anymore. Bye.